UMass has just swept the number one team in the country and the defending national champions, and this team is absolutely legit. We are here to talk all about the home opener series. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 38 of high character umass has just shocked the world and swept the number one team in the nation and the defending national champions the denver pioneers we are extremely excited about it umass nation obviously extremely excited about it uh we're going to talk all about it my name is cameron and i am joined by my good pal evan evan how you feeling after that man it doesn't get much better than this like, I, I think this weekend has gone almost perfectly. I mean, we get two big wins against the number one ranked team in the nation, Denver. Swept them, get the brooms out, feeling good. Started off this morning with a nice uh, couple apple cider donuts from Randall's Ooh. Farm. Shout out to Randall's Farm in Ludlow. Very delicious food there. And yeah, I mean, just, I don't think a single thing really could, could have gone wrong this weekend. It was awesome for me. So super happy to see the results and um, can't wait to talk about it today. Yeah, and uh, if you missed it for Friday's game, the game one victory, we did a whole uh, separate game recap episode. We normally, if we have a two-game series, we'll do both games and one recap, but we were just too excited Friday night. We had to talk about it. So this episode is going to be more focused on the 3 nothing game two win. If you want to hear more about the um, 4-2 to game one win, just head over to the last episode, episode 37. But yeah, this... Uh, Three nothing win. It seemed like even more comfortable than than Friday night's win. It seemed like uh, UMass had kind of more control over the the possession, the time of possession. Uh, Denver never really got anything too solid or crazy going. Yeah, it was definitely different from the first game. Where like I guess one could make the kind of connection that like they could think of it as kind of fluky. Like it's not a normal thing that you get two goals on a five minute shorthanded penalty kill you know like that just doesn't happen so there was definitely kind of some I don't want to say question marks but like you know it was definitely a, a unique game you know it was definitely not a traditional way to to score your opening goals but tonight or I guess last night I should say like in that three nothing game it was just a lot different it seemed like we had much more control over everything like things were kind of in our favor we weren't kind of like literally in that in that first game, we were chasing them right off the bat because we were, you know, down a man for a, a solid majority of the time. And we ended up actually getting out to a very good start in the second game. Um, we're obviously gonna get into the details a little bit later, but just as a whole, I mean, it seemed like we just looked a lot better defensively. It was a lot of like kind of bend but don't break type of defense. You know, Denver was still showing off some of their skill. They had a lot of opportunities in the zone. They you know, looked very crisp with their passing and everything, but we got bodies in front of the net. And as long as pucks don't get towards the net, then Pavisic is not going to be able to let them in. You know what I mean? Like that's right. just the way that we have to play defense. And it showed very well that night. Yeah, there's, you mentioned Pavisic. There's a lot of awesome storylines that come from this series. One that really stands out for me, we talked before the season started about how there's so many question marks. We don't know how, uh, UMass is going to fare this season. It might be kind of a down year uh, compared to the last few. This game, more than even the first game, showed me that 
UMass can skate with anybody in the country. They, uh, they went toe-to-toe with Denver for two games. Uh, they may get outshot against an opponent. We've seen that kind of be a, a characteristic of Carville-led teams. Um, the 2018-2019 team was kind of like that. Um, didn't always win in the shot department, but um, find a way to win games and get some some greasy goals. But I am so impressed with how this team was able to skate with Denver, and I think it just really bodes well for the rest of the season. I'm so excited to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was seeing some of the things that Carville was saying after last night's game, and I think he's completely right in the sense that we did kind of find an identity. Mm-hmm. Like, we are going to be a very defensively responsible team. You know, that's the way that a lot of our teams have already operated. We're already, you know, Carvel's been an absolute defenseman guru with, you know, teaching guys how to play D, how to be effective offensive defensemen from the point. You know, a lot of our play does run through our, our defensemen and that, that starts from the back end. You know what I mean? I feel like we've looked a lot better in transition. I think we did decently well getting pucks out of the zone. Like we, we did a lot of, you know, defending in our own zone. Like I think Denver had the puck a fair amount, but once we did eventually get the puck out of the zone, I think we transitioned very well into, you know, creating offense off the rush and in the offensive zone. I don't think we had too many, you know, errant passes or anything like that that we saw in the first game against uh, AIC. I think we cleaned that up tremendously. I think players knew where their teammates were going to be a lot better. I don't think they had to look up as much and try and scan the ice to find their guy. I think the kind of just the offensive movement is kind of more ingrained in the, in like the players' minds. And I think it really just helped the offense as a whole, knowing that the chemistry is kind of starting to, to develop between the lines. And, you know, that's obviously that was supposed to come with time. And I think this week, it increased tenfold. I think the chemistry was totally there and we saw it on the ice last night. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's jump right into it. We'll go uh, period by period like we normally do. So this game started about again, about uh, as well as you can 37 seconds in Scotty Morrow uh, takes a shot that ends up deflecting off the end boards and back towards the goal and about as, as much puck luck as you could possibly get. Uh, gets into the crease and Denver's goalie kind of just kicks it into the back of the net and immediately you messes up one, nothing. This was a weird one. Like just, just to kind of start off the conversation, I think it's very interesting that Cal Keefuke was in a play on Friday. I think it was about 37 seconds into the game that basically takes him out of the game immediately. And now 37 seconds into the next game, he has an assist on, you know, what would eventually be the game winning goal. Like that's, quite the uh the the different you know scenario for him so I think that is a a very interesting thing to note there but yeah I mean I don't want to call the goal a fluke by any means but yeah puck luck is definitely the term to be used here I mean it all starts with just getting pucks into the zone you know like chip and chase hockey that's what you got to do sometimes you know you just get the puck into the offensive zone and see what happens and it took kind of a weird bounce off like it was bouncing a couple times and ended up in the crease. Krona had absolutely no idea where the puck was. And he tried to like seal off the net by kind of getting deeper into his own crease. And he ended up just kicking the puck in. And it looked like Mora was on the doorstep there anyway, to, to tap the puck in, like if need be, but yeah, it was not an expected goal by any means. I don't think, but they all count. You know, I feel like I've said this a couple of times in the past couple of days, but you know, goals don't have to be beautiful. You know what I mean? They just need to count and that's all they are. So 
I'm, you know, I couldn't really think of a much better way to start the game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you get, you do that 37 seconds in and things are going to be definitely in your favor for the rest of the time. Yeah. And you get in uh, the Denver goalie Krona's head, you get in Denver's head a little bit like, Oh my God, is this happening again? Yeah. Like you got, uh, you got to figure, you got to figure early on into, you know, like there was probably a pregame speech on Denver's end saying, we got to come at them with everything that we have. We got to show them what we're all about and prove that we're the number one team. And then you let that in 30 seconds in. And I saw some of the players faces when they were skating to the bench, they were directly in front of us. They looked dejected. Like they were rattled beyond all belief. They're like, there, there's no way that this could be happening to us right now. Like they, they felt like they had this air of superiority and then, they got humbled immediately in the game. It was just a beautiful sight to see. Yeah, such a backbreaker for them. Uh, that was it for scoring in this period. Uh, it was still pretty eventful. UMass had a, a too many men on the ice penalty. That uh, was blatantly obvious. They were out there for quite a while, which you, you don't love to see. There was a um, Ryan Lautenbach had an offsetting roughing call. Just guys, dudes being dudes out yep. there going at it. Um, so a couple penalties. But outside of that too many men penalty, I think that this was the best period UMass hockey has played so far in this season. I know it's early. There's only been uh, seven periods up to that point, but I thought it was really great. I think they outshot Denver 12 to six. So That's, Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was just an extremely solid period overall. Again, like we didn't let up that many shots that period, and that's obviously really good. That means, you know, the shot blocking, I think, was really in tune. I think we were just – as a defensive unit, just everybody was just playing for each other. You know what I mean? Like sacrificing their body, putting it on the line. I think we did a lot better in moments where we had to kind of step up and play the puck. I think we weren't as passive where like, you know, as in like the AIC game, I feel like, you know, those two goals against, I think had to do with a lot of defensive. I don't even know if this is the word, but like passivity, you know, like we were just being very passive and not really attacking the puck carrier at all moments and kind of letting them come to us. Whereas in this case, it was a lot of just get after the puck, you know, make Denver uncomfortable. Don't let them have time with the puck. And I think it just really was working in our favor the whole game. Yeah. And uh, like I said, good first period for UMass. We come out for the second. Uh, Denver's coach must have really tried to light a fire under his guys after what he saw there. Uh, Denver came out pretty strong in the second period. Uh, definitely had an edge and evened up that shot total. Uh, no scoring for a while. We see. About 10 minutes into the period, Scott Morrow got a pretty pretty blatant cross-checking penalty. And in an interesting uh, kind of turn of events, after he served his penalty and was out, we didn't really see him the rest of the period. It seemed like he might have might have been something discipline-related, we might think, but not totally sure. Yeah, it was a little weird. I mean, it didn't look like he was injured on any sort of play. I'm not sure if there was just something that we missed. But, yeah, I definitely noticed, you know, we didn't see him out as much. I'm not sure if we ever saw any his line mate, McDermott, out there as much. It might have just been a case of, you know, maybe they still put out the first line but just didn't want more out there. Or maybe they were just riding the second and the third line because they were playing well. I have no idea. But it, it did seem like an interesting thing to note. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case because I mean me and you were a little bit conflicted on the call itself I thought it was a decent call I you can't do that you know what I mean like it, it was a pretty blatant cross check as soft as it was like it wasn't there was it didn't seem like he was really going to injure the guy or do anything crazy but you put your stick in that position you hit a guy across the back you're gonna get a call you know yeah. that's it's a stupid penalty to take you know I get it guy was kind of riding close to pads that you want to protect your goalie but he wasn't doing anything. You know what I mean? He just got to, it's not worth the two minute penalty in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, 
in in the moment thought it was very soft. We thought I thought there might be some kind of embellishment call to go with it, but it didn't happen. So uh, this uh, this p- penalty kill, um, pretty impressive. There was a lot of Denver pressure in this one. They ended up getting two shots off, but there were a lot more shot attempts that got blocked. Um, I think Denver had the momentum once they got this penalty called, but once UMass killed it off, I think UMass really got that momentum back, got the crowd going with all the block shots and good defense. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we were just, you know, after that penalty was over, it felt like, like we weathered the storm, you know, like that's our chance to try and, you know, break, make it to nothing, really put our, you know, put our foot on the throat of Denver right here and really finish the game off. And as we'll talk about that ended up happening, which is very ideal. Yeah, that did happen. Uh, about three minutes left in the period. We see um, a good, a good instance of using your head goal from Matt Koopman, who, had just an unreal celly. Uh, check the cover of this episode on our social media if you want to take a look at that. But uh, yeah, Matt Koopman's been impressive and he, he got on the board, made it 2 nothing. Yeah, I mean, if you ever kind of follow some sort of like, you know, hockey accounts on Twitter, you'll sometimes see the term like wheel snipe and celly. It's kind of what happened here. I mean, it wasn't all by the same player, but we had a lot of time in the offensive zone before this play. I think we were wheeling around in the zone a little bit. You know, I think we tried to get a wraparound on net ended up kind of squirting out towards the, the low slot because Krona couldn't cover it up. I think, a, I think a Denver player tried to clear it out, ended up literally hitting off of Koopman's helmet, fell right to his feet. He sniped, and then, by God, what a selly. Like, it, he, you know, it was an awesome play. I think it was a great way to get his first as a minute, man. It, it, again, it was, it was more of a case of being in the right place at the right time, and I think that's a pretty big hallmark of Carville teams. You know, like – you, you always have to be a smart player and kind of know where the puck's at. You always have to be near the puck because you're not going to make plays with the puck if you don't have the puck at your feet. You know, you have to be able to be around the puck and sense where it's going to go. And I think whether it was advertent or inadvertent, Koopman was there and he got the goal that we needed. And that silly was just unbelievable. You know, the one knee doing whatever you got to do with your hand to get the boys fired up. Like it was just, it had it all. It was just an awesome moment i mean me and you were going absolutely crazy in the crowd the whole you know mullins was popping off at that point like you're up to nothing you don't want to tell your boys that you can take a breather but you know you at least from from the crowd perspective we definitely calmed down a little bit you know we were like okay we're up to we'll we'll worry about the third period when they have to pull the goalie eventually when when that happens you know i think even strength we were absolutely killing them you know that was the same case last game i think even strength we looked great I think in most special team situations, we look great. It was once they pulled the goalie and had that extra guy out there, got a little bit dicey. And that was kind of on my mind going into the third period. But I figured we'll worry about that time when it comes. Let's see what happens in the meantime. Yeah, it was a great way to end the period. Uh, one thing I noted was it was really awesome to see the four intermissions this weekend. The UMass team got a standing ovation, all four of them, just uh, playing really well going into the break. It's just Really cool to see, and I'm sure fires the boys up seeing that. But they they come out for the third, and again, UMass, very solid play, very good defensively. It seemed like Denver was starting to get really frustrated with what was going on. Um, UMass just solid, kind of controlling the puck for most of the third until Denver pulls their goalie, four to five minutes left in the game. Um, Seemed like they got a lot of pressure just like Friday night with their goalie pulled. It's pretty hard to take the puck away from them. Uh, and UMass really weathered the storm. Some good saves by Pavisic, some good defense on block shots. Um, and finally, we catch a break uh, 
Cal Keefe ends up with the puck in the defensive zone, fires it all the way down ice to, to ice the game, make it 3 nothing UMass. Yeah, I mean, that was beautiful. But even just leading up to it, I feel like it has to be said, like the shot blocking this game was unbelievable in my opinion. I mean, you look at the stats from the box score this game, they only had seven shots on net. They had the puck in our zone for a really, really solid majority of the second half of that final period. And they really just couldn't get a whole lot going. I mean, you know, to, to Denver's point, I think they, they missed a decent amount of shots. I think they had a fair amount of open looks that they just couldn't convert on. I think they were shooting it wide. I don't know if it was a case of like, oh, wow, you know, they have, they feel the need to kind of try and pick the corners because they know if they shoot center mass of the net, that it's probably going to get blocked. I don't know if that was kind of playing in the back of their minds when they were trying to take shots, but we were just all over the puck that game. You know, we, you know, I think, I think Bollinger had four or five block shots. I think Koopman had a very, you know, that was a guy that stood up in our mind. He had a, a couple of really nice shot blocks. I mean, the team was just selling out on behalf of Pavisic, you know, and whenever a, a puck didn't end up trickling through, whether it was a, you know, not a very good shot opportunity or something like that, Pavisic was smothering everything as well. So I just wanted to make that note beforehand, but yeah, afterwards, you know, once we were doing all the shot blocking, everything like that, we finally get possession of the puck and Keefe just rips it down, you know, down the ice. I think we had two or three opportunities to do that. I think earlier in the period, but they ended up being ice and calls, but finally we get one in the center of the net and the, the crowd just absolutely exploded. You know, it was just an absolutely beautiful moment. We, everybody was going insane. I was high-fiving people that I didn't even know that were sitting near me. Like it was, it was a wonderful moment. So it couldn't have been a better way to cap it off. Cause I really wanted us to get an empty netter in the previous game just to try and shut up Denver a little bit because they were kind of dominating us with that extra man. But this time we weathered the storm amazingly and then we made him pay for it. And I think that was just kind of a, a perfect cap off to a really, really solid performance by UMass. Yeah, me as well. The uh, Denver tried to start a little scrum right at the final buzzer, but it didn't really matter. Uh, UMass hung on to win three, nothing pretty much dominated this game. In my opinion, compared to uh, Friday night's game. And it was just amazing to see, like you said, just knowing that we could skate with anybody like that. So much confidence uh, to start the season from, for all these young players, these newcomers, this is, just to show them this is what UMass is. This is new mass hockey. So just an incredible win. Uh, I think there's a lot of talking points from this game. I guess uh, one immediately after it ends, Denver did do the handshake line. Um, Unlike Friday night, we're not sure exactly why they didn't on Friday night. One thing that I thought was interesting was um, after both games, coach Carville made it a point to uh, talk about UMass's puck luck and kind of Um, the coin flip that is hockey sometimes obviously gave a lot of credit to his guys, but, um, I'll just, I'll just read off his quotes from Saturday night's game. Last night was a pretty disjointed game and I came away just happy to win the game tonight. I was very happy with the way we played. I'm very proud of this group. I'm sure everyone will say the team made a statement, but most importantly, we made a statement to ourselves. I think this group created an identity this weekend, very similar to our teams in the last couple of years. So many positives tonight. And of course it starts with the goaltender. Thought our defensive plays way better tonight. Shut out that team. That's quite a feat. I thought we got a little lucky at times. We had some puck luck this weekend for sure, but I walk away tonight feeling like we earned the victory tonight for sure. And I'd have to agree with him. I think the puck luck might have played more of a role Friday night's game, but I think Saturday night's game, it was definitely more of a, a skill win and deservingly so. Yeah, I'm not really sure how much I really buy into the idea of, of puck luck because. 
I think in order to have puck luck, you need to be a smart and effective player in order to get the puck into those areas for it to become quote unquote lucky. You know, I think it's part of kind of coaching to be able to tell your guys where they think the puck is going to go. You know, like for example, like, like on Koopman's play, if he's not sitting there in the slot, yeah, he was quote unquote lucky to have that puck bounce off his forehead basically and drop mm-hmm. at his feet for him to hit it in. But if, if it's not part of the game plan for him to be in that general area, knowing that it's a, a high scoring chance area, you know, you're, you're not really giving, you're not putting yourself in the position to be lucky anyway. So I think, I think more credit kind of has to go to, to him and his players. I think, I mean, it could very well just be a case of, of Carvo being humble, you know, like obviously, but I, I think, I think there's a lot of credit that needs to go to the guys for just putting the puck into areas for it to succeed on its own. You know what I mean? Like if you don't put it into those high danger areas, those lucky moments won't even have a chance to happen. So I think that's a very, very solid part of the game plan. And I'm hoping that it sticks around because clearly it worked out for us this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, getting guys in the right spots is definitely more of the key there. Uh, the the puck luck will come and go. Obviously, you might have had a little bit more this game, but there will be games later on in the season where the other team has the puck luck. It's just about uh, what you do when you're not getting the puck luck that shows kind of the real exactly. quality of the team. So uh, one more thing I want to touch on before awards. Uh, a lot of a lot of talk coming in about Denver's goalie coming in. Uh, forget his name, Magnus Corona. Magnus Corona. Uh, a lot of talk about him. Obviously, he won the national championship last year, uh, and it seems like we got a pretty off weekend for him. Yeah, I mean, from what I've been seeing on Twitter, at least from some of the Denver fans that were, for some godforsaken reason, commenting on things and you know making it show up on my timeline, where you figure they would just kind of be quiet and <laughs> take the L and move on. They, uh, I don't know if it was just massive cope on their part, and they were just trying to you know defend their team whenever possible. But apparently, it's a thing that whenever Denver comes to the East Coast early on in the season. They tend to not play well. Apparently, last season that happened against Providence as well. I think they got swept by Providence. So this could just kind of be a regular thing for them where they just don't show their best early on in the season, especially when they have to, you know, fly pretty far across the nation. I don't – I'm not really sure how much stock to put into those comments that I'm seeing, but apparently like it's a cope thing. to me. I, I agree. I think it's massive cope. But, you know, sometimes other – they're they're talking about their own team you know what i mean sometimes you kind of you know it's like if anybody were to ask us about umass they'd probably take our opinions you know pretty fairly seriously so i don't i don't fully discredit that idea you know coming across but that doesn't that doesn't completely negate everything that umass did to earn those victories you know mm-hmm. regardless of corona not being completely on his game i think there was a couple of goals that were just super unfortunate for him that you know it's mm-hmm. not like he let in many soft goals you know like it probably didn't matter who was in net when the puck apparently just shows up behind you and you're trying to seal off the net and then you just push it in you know that could be a communication thing via the defenseman where you know you're supposed to tell the goalie to just kind of sit on it and not knock it in there's there's a lot of things that go into it I don't think Corona necessarily played horrendously you know like two of his goals against were two on ones that's Mm -hmm. a pretty tough you know situation to, to show up for yourself as a goalie so I don't think he necessarily played terrible. It wasn't his best outing by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I don't think his defense put him in a great position to succeed either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think we got Denver's best shot in this, this series just based mm-hmm. on how the two games went. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of their season shapes up. I think 
we have to root for them for sure for our pairwise to go up. The better Denver does, the better our pairwise will be going down the stretch. So uh, definitely look out for that as the season goes on. But um, yeah, regardless of the opponent and how they play, they are the number one team in the nation and they were deservingly so the number one team in the nation. And we gave them our best shot and we won handily both games, which is pretty awesome. Yes, sir. All right. All right. So uh, let's jump into our awards. These awards will be for Saturday's game only. We already did awards for Friday night's game. So again, go check out the last episode if you want to hear those. But uh, the first award that we give out on high character is the CCC award, Carvel's character and compete award. And we were just talking about a goaltender. How about the other one? Luke Pavisic was incredible Saturday night, facing 30 shots, turned all of them away, and he just looked phenomenal yet again for UMass. Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally nobody else that can that this can go to. I mean, I I would say based on stats alone. I mean, when you're when you're out here dropping basically like a 30 a 30 save shutout like that, come on against against again yeah. what was ranked as the number one team in the nation at that point. I don't think that's going to last much longer personally. But <laughs> Pavisic was just very calm and collected in net. You know, I, I think we all kind of had our doubts, you know, after we saw the exhibition game, I don't think he played bad at AIC at all, but I think the defense a little bit shaky. So I think we kind of had our doubts going into the weekend. You know, we didn't really know what we were going to see and wow, you know, he, he did his thing this weekend. He, I think he locked down the net to be his until the near future. Yeah. He played unbelievable in my opinion. Um, I think the only other person that could even remotely touch the, this trophy in my opinion for this for this game was Keefuke. I mean he had two points you know it was a bounce back performance for him after literally playing 30 seconds the game prior he comes out he's a plus two with with two points you know what I mean like you can't really ask for much more in a bounce back game I think he really did did his part to kind of you know almost say sorry you know what I mean like kind of you know say hey screwed up last game I'm gonna make it up to you guys and I think he put in a very good performance as well so just wanted to shout him out for that but yeah Pavisic was absolutely unreal tonight and the night previous yeah and I think this is absolute best case scenario for the coaching staff to have a guy come out and just win this job over outright like this yep. um obviously right before the season started we had a lot of question marks this was probably the biggest question mark of this team the goaltender situation going in and with Pavisic going looking like this against elite competition just puts all the questions out the window uh puts that stability with the team just really good to have and yeah just again incredible performance we can't wait to watch more from him in the future yeah can't wait all right so the second award that we give out is the good try UMass award a player that we want to see uh improve a little bit for the next game when you have a three nothing shutout against the number one team in the country it's pretty hard to kind of find any faults in it so we're really grasping at straws with this one it's not a it's not a real knock at all um just for completeness sake we got to give the award out uh and this week this for this game it's going to go to Lyndon Alger just because uh, there was a couple times where he looked a little uncomfortable with the puck in the defensive zone kind of gave it away uh, just looked a little shaky from our eyes but nothing too concerning at all just one game sample size uh, had to pick somebody. So this is what we settled on. Yeah. And I mean, even in the only reason why we're kind of picking it was just, there was a couple of D zone turnovers, but I mean, those can honestly be attributed to a little bit of fatigue on his part too. You know, those could have easily been situations where he was already out there for a solid minute and a half, two minutes, and he just wanted to get a line change in, you know what I mean? But I think there was a couple of times, you know, just a little bit of a soft stick every now and then just couldn't really corral the puck and make plays with it. Um, 
But again, it was nothing overly concerning. It's not like they led to, you know, absolutely insane turnovers where, you know, it was an automatic goal against, you know, it, it led to a couple shaky situations where, you know, I think Denver might've had a, you know, a stretch, you know, in the second period where they had a couple of key turnover or key takeaways in our D zone. And they, you know, were basically skating in alone towards the net. But again, Pavisic, like we talked about was standing tall, really doing this thing to bail out the defense at, at some points. So I think, you know, if there really is anybody to pick, it would have been him, but it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty soft award to give out. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the, the moral cross-checking call. It was pretty soft, but yeah, I, you know, sometimes it just has to be made, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think he really played all that bad. It, it's more of like a, it's like a decent try UMass, not really a good try, you know, like we yeah. have to kind of amend the award name a little bit for this instance. I feel like. Yeah. Not bad at all. Nothing to, to lose sleep over. So now we'll go into our custom awards. I went first for Friday night's game. So I guess you can go first for this one. What is your custom award? All right. So I'm giving a shout out to, uh, he's a, he's a reporter for the, for the daily Hampshire Gazette on um, Kyle Grabowski. He had a tweet, I think at some point in the second period last night where, you know, I think we all saw it. It's pretty hard to forget about it, but Jerry Harding just absolutely laid the boom on a guy and just, you know, like literal whiplash on this Denver player. I was a little concerned for his well-being, maybe for about two seconds. And then, you know, I started looking at UMass again and I just smiled. So it wasn't really all that concerned. But um, yeah, he just absolutely leveled the guy. And, you know, that just kind of starts off the award for me. Like, I think Harding was everywhere. He was, you know, really making plays over the ice. He had an assist. I think he was really solid on the back check. He was just really doing his thing. Um. And part of that tweet that's, that Kyle put out, he called him Scary Jerry. So I'm calling this the Scary Jerry Award because that was exactly what he was. You know, I'm pretty sure Carvel at one point said that he wanted, you know, Harding to kind of just be that really dominant, scary presence on the ice that will just kind of make everybody a little nervous when he steps out there. And I really think he did that, you know, last night. I think he really brought the energy because that's the type of player that he is. He's a big energy guy. And to even, you know, have him show up on the score sheet, pretty sure he had one, one goal last year. You know what I mean? And that was, if I remember correctly, that was like the weird own goal by Lowell. Like that was just a really like suspect goal. So to kind of see him, you know, really get a solid assist in there and, you know, show up on the score sheet in addition to just doing his thing on the defensive end and just, you know, be a big dominant presence, I think was awesome. So giving him the scary Jerry award in, in reference to, to Kyle's tweet, you know, I just thought that was an awesome nickname and I kind of hope it it sticks around because I think I could really kind of see him carving out that sort of scary niche on this team. Yeah. I really like Harding getting some credit. We saw Friday night's game too. He was all over the place, laying the body, Um, really kind of stepping into that role as the enforcer of the team. We were wondering who, who was going to fill that role, but it seems like uh, he's doing a great job of it, laying hits, uh, being right in the middle of all those scrums and adding on the score sheet, uh, just a bonus. So really good all around weekend for Jerry Harding. All right. So my award, I, I am going to call it the Maddie ice award. Um, and this Maddie ice is the, uh, the social media name of this player who was all over the ice this weekend. And that is Matt Koopman, uh, the transfer from Providence, just, uh, making his presence felt in both games, specifically yesterday, though. Yesterday, obviously, he had his first UMass goal, which was awesome to see. And we are, we're just really surprised with how often we saw that number nine all over the ice, blocking shots, being right in the middle of those offensive opportunities. It was really good to see and somebody we didn't fully expect to make that big of a contribution early in the season. 
Yeah, no, he was killing it. He had a lot of shot blocks, in my opinion. I think, you know, you know, play, playing center like that and just kind of being the guy in the middle of the slot like that, you're kind of prone to taking a lot of block shots, but he wasn't shying away from it at all. You know, he was really just putting his body on the line. I think he was playing very well in the offensive zone. Um, really, really strong in the corners, you know, really strong skater. I think he was showing a lot of speed. Um, and yeah, I think it was a little bit unexpected. You know, like we saw his point totals, you know, in Providence and we were thinking like, okay, you know, he could be a pretty decent contributor, but I think he's, I wouldn't say leading the way, but he's definitely in the upper echelon of our forwards right now. Um, just in the way that he's playing and, you know, what he's providing to us in the offensive end and in the defensive end as well. I think he's been a really solid two, two-way player. So really excited to see kind of how his game develops over the course of the season, because I think this is not going to be it for him. I think he can definitely continue to step up and make big plays and big moments. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And like seeing him all over the place out there. It's been fun to watch. All right. So that was about it for our recap. Uh, I guess I'll just say I, I just stumbled upon this stat. That was UMass's first ever shutout of a number one ranked team, which is just incredible for the program's sake. UMass came into this game ranked number 13. And just to just wanted to temper expectations a little bit, uh, college hockey isn't college football. Just because we beat the number one team twice doesn't mean that we're going to be number one in the national rankings next week. Uh, if you did think that, uh, we'll probably be somewhere in between five and 10 range just yeah. because hockey can be so random and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, obviously just a, about as good of an outcome as you could have for a weekend of hockey. Yeah. I'm expecting us to end up around seventh. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver is still ahead of us after this, because again, the, the ranking systems tend to kind of favor where teams are already at, you know, like for example, like we tied against AIC, we didn't even move a spot. We mm-hmm. stayed at 13, you know? So sometimes, you know, recent results won't have the, the greatest initial impact on our rankings. I think it might take a couple more weeks for us to really make a gradual change, but it all starts here. You know, this is kind of the first major stepping stone. I think, you know, when it comes to where we could potentially end up in the national rankings, you know, we could still be that still be a top five team, you know, anything is possible. It's still very early on in the season, but this is an amazing way to start it off when, realistically i don't want to sound like a downer but i don't think we had that many expectations going into this you know from from the teams and the coaching perspective they're always going to back themselves 100 percent, and i don't blame them in the slightest but we try to be a little bit you know unbiased and you know non-partial whenever possible and i think we were just completely blown away by what we saw this weekend you know it it wasn't a complete surprise but i think there was a little bit of doubt in the back of our minds just when you look at it on paper and I don't think anybody can really blame us for that. You know what I mean? Again, like you look at it on paper and you look at everything that this program has gone through in the past year, or I guess just the past off season, it's been a very big change. And it was up to this coaching staff and these players to step up to the plate. And they did tenfold, you know, it wasn't even a case of just making the game close just for the sake of it. We exceeded that. And we ended up dominating in that second game. Like that's unbelievable to see. Yeah, you said a little doubt. For me, I think it was more than just a little bit of doubt. I think uh, having that number 13 national ranking after the outcome that we saw against AIC was generous. Mm. I thought it I thought it should probably be lower than that, to be completely honest, at that point. Uh, and I didn't have much expectations going into this weekend, but to see us win back-to-back games against the number one team, the national defending champion, um, two straight days, too, and yeah. in pretty convincing fashion, 
I'm fully back on board. Like I, I didn't, I like did not have like national tournament expectations or anything really going into this year. I was kind of waiting to see how it shape out and really thinking about next year already, but dial all that back. I'm fully in on UMass at this point, all, all in. So just awesome to see. I don't want to, I don't want to focus too much on any kind of negatives, but I wanted to get your opinion on something. Um, I'm not sure if it's something that'll take the word of mouth over a few weeks to, um, to kind of stick, but we saw even less of a student turnout on Saturday than we did on Friday. I don't know. I don't know if you, you think that's like, like glaring or important or even something that might not, shouldn't be discussed, but I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird to me. No, I completely agree that it's weird, but I just, I don't know how you like, I understand, you know, it was a very, very solid turnout for that first game because everybody wanted to go to the first game. You know, they were probably planning their weekends around it. They probably thought, okay, you know, because let's, let's be honest. I feel like there's a very, very solid majority of college students that would much rather go to a frat or do whatever crazy stuff those college kids do nowadays. They're probably not putting, you know, a hockey game on the top of their weekend list like us diehards are, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but Cam, we're a little, we're, we're built a little bit different. You know, like that's just the way it is. We, we, we kind of change our lives around this program. Whereas most, most people wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of tough to retain a college students, I guess, not like attention span, but sort of, you know what I mean? Like if they had full plans to go to that very first game, and they saw a really good win, but I don't think I don't think it would have mattered what we did that game. I don't think some of them would have shown up regardless. You know, that's just the way it is. I don't think I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but I'm genuinely not sure how much the team can do to to try and win over the student body. You know what I mean? Like it, there's so many individuals in that group where, you know, you just you can't win everybody over. You know what I mean? I think we did a great job, you know, getting people out to that first game. And I think the team's performance was amazing. Even it wasn't even just the students. I'm not really sure how many people showed up for the second game that were non-students, you know, like just regular, I don't know, general admission attendees, you know, there, it seemed like it was definitely less of a, a turnout, you know, maybe people are more prone to coming to games on Friday nights. I have no idea, but I, I definitely agree with you that it was a bit odd, but I'm not sure what the solution is going to be personally. Yeah, and it might be some cope. Obviously, October is the biggest sports month, I would say, of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just last night we had incredible college football games, maybe the best night of MLB playoffs that there's been in decades. Yeah. So uh, those could also factor into sports fans. I think maybe UMass, we're not a part of UMass Athletics, obviously, but uh, maybe I would suggest doing some sort of good student giveaway for those first games just to get people in the door and then they see how fun it is and come for later games. That might be something to think about for this union series, but yeah, just if you're a student, let people know how fun this are. Cause what this team uh, did this weekend was historic and just more people seeing that would be awesome. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think, I think the team's just going to play even better going to next weekend, you know, like we're playing against union, you know, we're obviously going to do our own series preview on that later on, but that's just going to be, I think another chance for UMass to really imprint their mentality, you know, and their, their culture onto other teams, you know, like we're just going to, go in and dominate in my personal opinion and what 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 student or what hockey fan doesn't want to see that you know what I mean like I just think we're going to just completely dominate that weekend and I think it's going to be a really fun series for people to watch in my opinion so I mean 
again, I feel like we do this almost every episode now, but we guys got to get that building filled up. You know what I mean? Like there is no better atmosphere in college hockey, in my opinion, than when we get a fill, like just a completely full Mullen center that will just be rocking the entire time. Just lots of energy, lots of chance, lots of craziness, because when we score a goal, it's the roof metaphorically and almost literally blows off that building. Like there's, no way that any other building can top it, in my opinion. And I just want to see more of it because I think it's an awesome atmosphere. Yep, I couldn't agree more with you. So as we look forward, we will have a uh, game or series preview episode for the next series, two home games against Union. But I guess we can look forward to it a little bit right now. Union, um, <laughs> a, kind of a stark, drastic uh, difference from Denver. They were very bad last year. Denver won the national championship. So... Um, obviously we want to see UMass do well and hopefully take both games, uh, this year, but what do you, what do you picture as being a good outcome next weekend after what we saw this weekend? Oh, I mean, against union, I'm expecting wins in both games. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, and I don't, there's part of me that thinks that I don't want to automatically assume that we're just going to win every game going forward because that that's kind of a toxic, you know, ideology to have when it comes to watching sports, because in the moment that we, it's tough. Exactly. Yeah. Like, the, hockey is a sport where anything can happen. You know, again, like just like we saw, the, those two wins were upsets in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, but the, we look dominant in both of those. So, I mean, rankings can sometimes just get thrown out the window. We're going to be heavy favorites going to the next weekend. Anything can happen. But if I'm being honest, I am expecting two, two major wins next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just just seeing what we did this weekend, you know, and again, it kind of gets into that weird toxic sports mentality, but like Whenever I see us just completely dominate a team, I immediately think, why can't we do that every day? You know, like if that team shows up and I mean, I was talking to people in the fan or people in the fan fans in the, in the stands uh, over this weekend, you know, like if we play like that every game, we're going to go undefeated. And then everybody immediately looks at me like I have three heads and they're like, what are you saying, dude? And read, you know, listening to it back, it sounds really stupid. I completely understand what they're saying because you can't just automatically think like that, but I know that we have that in us. You know what I mean? I just saw it with my own eyes and we just completely eviscerated again, what was formerly the best team in the nation who I doubt they're going to be ranked number one after this weekend, but you know, just knowing that we have so much skill and heart and determination and all those, you know, factors that go into what makes a team great. I just, I don't see how we don't ride this momentum into next weekend and just really get the job done. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree with you. I just hope it doesn't turn into one. If one of these games doesn't turn into like a classic trap game where you take your foot off the gas after yep. having such a, such a good opponent last week, but um, with a Carvel run team, I don't see that happening. I don't either. All right. So that was our, our recap episode for this weekend in Denver. I don't know if you have any, anything else that you wanted to add. No, I just went off on a solid five minute rant about how we need more students at the game. So I think that was my main thing taken care of. (laughs) There we go. So like I said, I believe our next episode will be um, next Thursday or Friday. It'll be the uh, game and series preview for Union. But uh, until then, uh, it was amazing seeing so many of you that uh, came and said hi to us at the games. We want to see more of that in the future. Um, And we just... Really appreciate all the support we're getting. Some of our episodes lately since the season has started have been our highest performing ones yet. And we just, uh, that just keeps us going, keeps wanting to pump out the content for you guys. So we really appreciate it. And uh, not much more you could say to go UMass.
Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Let's go.